years. So, <laughs> but then we do come a long way. Um, Uganda is about 4,000 miles from here, so it's, it's great to be with you today. Um, I'm going to, to share a bit with you about our work in Uganda. I'm involved in a, an organization called Veritas College. Afterwards, uh, in the, the room where you drink coffee, there will be some training materials you can have a look at and some leaflets, uh, just to give you some more uh, insight in, in what we actually are doing. Just before I start, just to keep a perspective that the Lord is at work in the world in an amazing way. Sometimes you wonder in England, uh, you know, what's happening here? The church seems to become smaller and fewer people statistically seem to be going to church or calling themselves Christians, but that doesn't mean the Lord is not on the move. And the Lord is on the move, no one can stop him. In the 19 years that we've been in Uganda, the country has doubled in size with regards to population from 16 million to 32 million. And it, it hit me only recently that uh, the percentage of Christians remained the same. Do you understand what that means? It means the church also doubled in size. 80% of the population claims to be Christian. That's, that's phenomenal. And new churches are planted every day in the villages, and the churches are growing. But there is a challenge with that, because for every church you need a church leader. How, how do you provide leaders for churches? I know, John, it, it's in England, in many churches, also a challenge. Especially the new churches that are rising up. Where do you find leaders? And well-equipped leadership is very important. And we're involved in an organization that actually trains leaders within their local churches and trains them to train other leaders in order to get ahead of the game, as it were. Even though we are lagging probably another, another 30,000 churches behind, but we are gaining momentum and, and we're very excited with, with what is happening because the health of a church is very much connected to the health, and I mean being equipped kind of health of a church leader. Okay, if you call a poorly equipped church leader, you can count on it, you call a poorly equipped church. So I'm going to just show you a little bit, um, uh, just a couple of minutes, about what is happening in Uganda.
Okay. I'm going to move. Uh, can you show the other one, Hannah? Yep. Okay. I'm going to share with you from uh, Nehemiah uh, that was also one of the slides that uh, came up. And, well, before I do that, I want to give you greetings of the shepherds from the Shepherd's Fold Church in Kampala, uh, which we started two years ago and is it's growing into a thriving uh, community church, which is a tremendous blessing for us as a family uh, to, to be part, to have a, be surrounded by the Lord's family in Kampala, uh, as well as having an opportunity to be involved as a family in uh, reaching out and blessing and building up a community of people. Um, talking about leadership training, how do we train leaders? And in a way, as we're sitting here, we're all potential leaders. We're all leaders within our own capacity, within our, our own sphere. Whether we are a mom, we're a leader in our home. Am I right? In your work, you should be a leader in your responsibilities. We're not just talking about leadership in church. But then, let's be honest, what is church? Is church a building or is church a community? Somebody uh, once said when he was asked, where is your church? He says, oh, my church. Uh, one of them is working in a bank. Another one is working in a school. Another one is working in the hospital. Uh, some are at home. That's where my church is. And that's where the church is. That's where God has placed us. And God desires to equip each one of us. But so often the big challenge is, we've got this fantastic book, haven't we? It's a fantastic book, but so often we read and we don't understand. What a challenge. There's some passages in the Bible I read it four or five times and I still haven't got a clue what it's talking about. And you pray and say, Lord, please show me, show me what you're saying here. And we're hoping that some verses are going to pop out and that we, we hear the Lord speak and then, yeah, now I see it. Sometimes we're looking for a supernatural experience to understand God's word. But let's be honest, all reading of God's word is a supernatural experience. Amen? Because this is a supernatural book. It's not a magic book full of, of magical quotes. It's the word of the Lord our God. Do you understand? I can want to start. Han, next. I want to start with a dilemma that the Ethiopian eunuch faced. He was, as far as we know, the first missionary sent into Africa. The eunuch had been sent out by the Queen of Ethiopia to Jerusalem on a mission. We're not quite sure what the mission was. But all we know is when he came back from Jerusalem, he came back dissatisfied. He bought some scrolls, he bought some books, but he didn't have a clue what it was about. And as he was driving his chariot on the desert road, south towards Egypt, suddenly this guy is running alongside the chariot and says to him, do you understand what you're reading? Coming out of the blue. 
Do you understand what you're reading? That's my question to you today. I believe this is a question from the Lord to you today. When you're reading, when you've got your quiet time, are you understanding what you're reading? Hmm? Today we live in an age where there's a fantastic battle around God's Word. And the battle is, did God really say? It's the first challenge against the Word of God. Now the media the scientific community, the secondary school teachers are all disputing that this is the word of the Lord. And the reason why is because they don't surrender to the Lord of the word. Hmm? If you don't recognize and acknowledge the Lord of the word, you will not acknowledge this to be the word of the Lord. But by rejecting this word, as the word of the Lord, you are rejecting the Lord of the word. And one day, we'll have to give accountability of that. Am I right? What was the Ethiopian's reply? He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. How can I unless someone explains it to me? It's a very honest reply. And when you don't understand what you're reading, you might need some help from someone to come and help you explain what does this mean. Because if we don't understand, how can we obey? If somebody has said in, in the Western world there is, there is a lack of understanding of the word of the Lord. There's a lack of knowledge. Therefore, my people perish. But equally, there's a lack of obedience to the understood words of the Lord. And both was causing our countries to spin into chaos as we're moving further and further away from our Christian heritage. We're a beacon, aren't we? Isn't this the beacon church? That in the time of storm and in the time of potential shipwreck, the beacon is lighted for the ships to steer the right course. Are you a beacon? Personally? Or you think, well, I belong to the beacon church, the church will do it. But you're the beacons that should be lit within your community. Where people are crying out, what does it all mean? And you can say, do you understand? They say, no, I don't understand because I can't interpret what is going on. So do you need some help? Are you in a way a Philip coming alongside people who are searching, sitting beside them and explaining what it's all about? It's not the first time that this happened, that people were struggling to understand the word of the Lord. In Nehemiah 7, verse 27b and 8, verse 1, there was a reading of the law. Now, the law had been written about a thousand years before this event. And in that time, obviously, lots of things had changed. The culture in Israel had changed. The, the understanding of the word of God had changed. And as Nehemiah gathered the Israelites together at the water gate... The people told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. It was very much 
the foundation of their relationship was contained in that book. It was the, the agreement between God and his people. Just as I wear this ring is a sign of an agreement between myself and my wife. That we are in an eternal relationship together. God had covenanted a relationship with the people of Israel. And the people had drifted away from that relationship. And we, we can read, we know the Old Testament, or if we know it, the people had drifted away into obedience and rebellion, into worshipping false idols. And the result was that God caused them to go back into slavery. But God, being faithful to his promises, brought them back into the promised land. And here they are gathered at the water gate and they're hearing the book of the law being read. But did they understand? That's the good question. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Now, understanding is a requirement. Okay? I see a little girl there. I'm sure that she won't understand my sermon today. I'm not worried. (laughs) Her time will come. Her time will come. But who were the ones that made up this amazing congregation? Possibly of about 46,000 people that gathered before the Watergate. They were men and women and all who were able to understand. I know some of them have gone that way. They could have been here because they are able to understand. But God wants us to understand his word. That is his passion. That is his desire. And he invites us. He says, all who are able to understand, come and hear my word. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. Understanding was a requirement. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. They were motivated to listen. Who today is motivated to listen to the word of the Lord? Fewer and fewer people, am I right? Motivated to listen. Yet it's so important. If you're not motivated to listen to the word of the Lord. You see, if, if we don't understand the Lord of the word... And who he is, we've sang about him this morning. The creator of everything, of heaven and of earth. The one who's provided salvation. An amazing God, an awesome God. If we're not understanding who he is, how can we be motivated to listen to what he has said? But the people here were motivated to listen. And Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Now today we are talking about, do you understand? It's a very interesting word. Do you understand? Or maybe we could say, do you stand under the word of the Lord? Because Ezra was standing on a high wooden platform. And the word was exalted over the people. And the people were standing in submission to the authority of God's word. Understanding comes from the two words, standing under. 
submitting yourself to something that is higher and greater and, and more wonderful than you are. And standing under as a student with a willingness to learn. God calls us not to look critically at Scripture, but to look critically from Scripture. Okay? Then you see the difference? That from Scripture we are able to interpret what is happening around us. Besides him on his right stood a whole bunch of people. <laughs> In total there are 26 of them. I worked through them a couple of times, but occasionally I stumble. How do you train the multitudes, you see? How do you communicate the word of the Lord effectively to a multitude? I mean, Uganda, we've got a multitude of local churches. How are you going to spread the training in such a way, training people to understand the message of the word of the Lord? How do you do that? When Sue and I went, we were just two of us. Now we've got a team of over 100 people that are multiplying the training in the villages and training church leaders. Well, that's what Ezra and Nehemiah did. They had trained a bunch of Levites and priests. And look, go back on. Look at verse 7. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. See, it wasn't just Ezra. Ezra was doing the public reading. But the people that he had trained were instructing the people who were standing there. As a result, when Ezra opened the book, all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up and Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. This was before he even started reading. Well, you're talking about a motivated bunch, hey? Before the Bible, the Bible was just being opened and the people already got excited because they knew what was coming. God was going to speak. The people stood up. There's not many churches today that stand up when the Bible is opened. I know in some Anglican churches, it's when the Gospels are being read, the people stand up. I don't understand why to make a difference between the Gospel and the rest of the Bible. Hmm? Isn't it all the word of the Lord? Shouldn't we have respect for his whole counsel instead of just selected parts of it? Well, the people stood up and they started worshipping the Lord. There was a, a respect for the Lord's word. And they, they, they showed it through worship. They read from the book of the law, making it clear, giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Sometimes you're in churches and there is, uh, there's a pastor or a preacher and he reads his sermon. God's the notes in front of us. He doesn't even look once at the congregation and he just takes 20 minutes or 15 minutes or however long, reads through his notes and he doesn't give a hoot whether the people understand or not. Because his responsibility that morning is just to read the lesson. But if the people don't understand, if it isn't our aim to help the people understand God's word, 
then I'm aimless. I could just as well keep my mouth shut. And look at what is happening here. They read from the book of the law, making it clear, giving the meaning so that the people could understand. That's the purpose of a preacher. Okay? Reading the Bible, making it clear, giving the meaning so that people could understand. It doesn't stop there. There's another part to all this. Okay, we're going to come to that. It's, do we see these three processes? Uh, reading the word, making it clear, giving the meaning. What is the result? People could understand. Okay? Is that your desire? When you read the Bible, is it your desire to understand? Or is it just to get through your daily reading in order to finish your one-year Bible? Hmm? Get through it and tick it off. Done. Read my Bible this year. Or are you really searching the Lord of the Word through reading the Word of the Lord? Searching to understand. God has entrusted an amazing, an amazing treasure to each one of you. And with that treasure comes an amazing responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. This book contains the glory of the Lord. It contains the message of the Lord. It contains the only information that provides an escape from this world that is literally going to pieces. Only this book contains that message. That message has been entrusted to you here. What are you going to do with it? Do you understand it? So often we don't share with others because we're not quite sure whether we're going to get it right. So, it's better not to share than to share something wrong, isn't it? But that's not a good excuse. We must be equipped. Each one of us. So that we can take our place. So we can take a stand in our community, in our, in our, the people around us, at our work, in our offices, in our schools, in our clubs, in the shops. Can we take a stand? Do you understand? If you don't understand, you can't take a stand. It must be your aim. As you read the Bible, that you search scriptures in order to understand. Read it prayerfully. Search for the meaning. Lord, what does it mean? What are you telling me to do? The result when the people heard the message, the result was one of sorrow and joy. Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest... And the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word, words of the law. When they started to understand, they were cut to the heart. Because they realized the situation they had been in was the result of their sins. They were cut to the heart. 
we must look for a response. I pray when I, I preach, before I preach, that there will be a response in the people. That you're not going home and saying, well, that was a nice sermon. Hmm? In my country, there's a saying that people go home and they hang the sermon with their coat on the coat pack. One ear in, one ear out. The other ear out. Nothing sticks in between. It's very sad. I read, I'd rather have a bad reaction than no reaction. Indifference is scary, isn't it? Indifference is scary. Because it's not being indifferent to the preacher, but it is an indifference to the word of the Lord. God desires to mold us and change us and transform us increasingly from glory to glory till our beacon shines so brightly that people can hardly look at it anymore. That the darkness around us is being dispelled. Sometimes we are afraid to go into a place because we're, we're, we say, oh, there's so much darkness there. Hey? The problem is not so much darkness. The problem is so little light. That's the problem. When you are overflowing with the glory of the Lord in your innermost being, you're not afraid of the darkness. The darkness is afraid of you. Amen? Who do you fear anyhow? We don't need to fear what's going on in this nation. We need to fear the Lord our God. We need to fear the Lord Jesus and worship him with our whole being and allow him to flow through. Oh, I can't go into that place. That place is so dry. That's why God is sending you there to pour forth his river out of your innermost being. Streams of living water will flow. Well, only, only when you drink Jesus will streams of living water flow. Only when you nurture yourself on His Word and quench your thirst in worship will you be able to pour forth what He's put in you. Jesus is the wellspring of life. But if we're connected to Him, we also become wellsprings of life. It will be His water flowing through us. All the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the Lord. They were cut to the heart. Interestingly, what Nehemiah is, he isn't saying, guys, continue. Lord, more of this, more of this. Holy Spirit, more of this. He's not saying, he's saying, stop. Stop weeping. It's not a time for weeping. It's a time for celebration. It says, time for celebration. He says, go and joy Choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. For this day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I think we know that phrase. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? But look at the context that it is in. Look at the context that it is in. It's in the context of understanding the Lord of the Word through studying the Word of the Lord. Hey. Sometimes we take Scripture out of context and, and we lose it. 
some, some months ago, my wife lost the stone out of her engagement ring. Okay? It was a tricky thing because there were all these little barbs sticking up. And she started to cut herself on it. And that's when she noticed the stone was gone. Now, praise God, we found the stone. But when we take scripture out of context, it is like removing a diamond out of its setting. It becomes a tricky thing. It can be lost easily. Well, the meaning for sure. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Oh, go back on. Understanding resulted in sharing. If you don't have anything to share, and I've heard Christians say, oh, but I've got nothing to share. Let's go out and do some evangelism. Oh, but I've got nothing to say. Isn't that scary? When Christians say they've got nothing to share, it's scary. You're in a situation, got a lovely saying in my country. You go sit in, you're in a situation, you're not quite sure what to say, you're a bit overwhelmed, and you're standing there with a mouthful of teeth. Dutch saying. Okay? You don't know what to say. I don't know about you, but so often when I have studied the Bible in the morning, during the day I meet somebody that needs to hear what I studied in the morning. It's just there. It's just there. All we need to do is open our mouth and trust that the Lord pours forth his speech. Are you channels of his word? Are you plugged into his word? Are you channels of his word? Nehemiah tells the people, send some to those who have nothing prepared. We're living in a world where we're surrounded by people who've got nothing prepared. And yet we have been given choice food and sweet drinks. The message of the gospel. And when the people understood the message understood what God had done for them by calling them into an everlasting relationship with himself through the covenant that he made with them, the people went out and started to share. The result was obedience. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. Why? Because they now understood what had been made known to them. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? When you study, when you understand, you've got something to share. If we don't understand, we cannot obey. So often we're, we're, we're looking for, for some Rima words. Am I right? Rima words. And a Kairos moment. It's a lovely Greek words, we actually don't know what they mean, because we don't speak Greek. Hmm? But it does sound fancy, doesn't it? I'm looking for a Rima word in a Kairos moment. Okay, what, what are we saying? We're saying, Lord, Rima words. Ah, 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I? Well, that's a pretty good one, hey? Where can I flee from your presence? But the Bible is not a magical book where we can pinpoint scriptures that we then think can jump out to us. God wants us to be committed students to his word. David said, I meditate on your word day and night. That doesn't mean he didn't do anything else. It just means that meditation on God's word was his priority. If you don't have time for studying the word, if you don't have time, it's priority time. We've got our priorities wrong. And we live in a world where studying, where taking time for reading and quiet time is is a problem. I struggle with it. The evening you make a commitment to get up in the morning, and in the morning you sleep through your alarm. And then the day starts, isn't it? And you make a commitment again. Lord, before I go to bed tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to study your word. And it's a challenge. Because there's a battle around God's word. What, what the spirit of this age tries to do is to make us so busy that we don't have time to listen to Father. We don't spend time to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary did. We think that the dishes and the cooking and the cleaning and the entertaining and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the reading the newspaper and listening to the news and watching your favorite television program are more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus. If we don't understand, we cannot obey. Do you understand what you're reading? We're going back to Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then Philip began with that very passage from Isaiah that the Ethiopian had asked him about. And he told him the good news about Jesus. Any passage in the Bible is a pointer to the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip baptized him, and the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the Ethiopian eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Understanding the word of the Lord results in joy, especially when you start to put it into practice. Especially when you start to do what the Lord tells you to do. It's very interesting. Uh, uh, one, one of my girls was really struggling with understanding some aspects of, of her relationship with the Lord. She said, you know, how do I know that this is all true, Dad? How do I know? You've told me all this stuff, but how do I know that it is all true? I said, well, what, what, what do you know? I said, ah, Jesus died for my sins. And she knows it all. I said, just start sharing it. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the Netherlands, and, and she met uh, uh, a, a non-Christian friend uh, that she had started a, re- a friendship with three years ago, and she started sharing. It just came out, and she just couldn't stop. And she came home rejoicing. And she said, I know it's true because it was just pouring out of me. Isn't that amazing? 
when we start sharing, when we start putting into practice what we understand, there will be joy. Now there's some interesting, miraculous things happening in this encounter with uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. It's the desert road. What do you not find in the desert? Water. Yet miraculously, water appeared. Okay? Miraculously, Philip disappeared. Isn't it? Okay? Uh, talking about some, some time travel there. Uh, some amazing things were happening. And the Ethiopian eunuch is not worried about Philip not being there anymore. But Philip was only a messenger. You see, Philip is gone, but Jesus came. And Jesus is not going to disappear suddenly. Where first he was sitting at his own in that chariot, then Philip joins, and Philip disappears, but Jesus takes Philip's place. And he goes on his own rejoicing. Where is he going? Where? Where was he going? Says he went on his way. On his way to where? Home. Where's home? Africa. Absolutely. Africa. The Ethiopian church is the oldest church in Africa, on the African continent. Started with this, with this man. Be thinking about the, 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 the eunuch. It would be amazing to write a book about the Ethiopian eunuch. You might say, well, we don't know very much about him, but wouldn't that be great to just, wouldn't it be great to find out what happened when he reached Africa? When he reached his queen and his queen asked him, well, what did you discover? What have you got? What, what did you bring back for me? He said, I got some choice food for you. I'm bringing Jesus. I met Jesus when I left Jerusalem. He wasn't in Jerusalem. Couldn't find him in Jerusalem. I searched everywhere. Went to the temple. Couldn't find him. But guess what happened? On my way back, Philip came. This guy disappeared out of nowhere. Disappeared into nowhere. But in between, he introduced me to Jesus. Now I'm introducing you to Jesus. I'm introducing him to you. When he understood, it changed his life. And he says, why shouldn't I be baptized? Oh, great question. Eh? Why shouldn't he? Hmm? Well, do you understand all the doctrines? Do you understand the full message of the gospel? Do you... Have you confessed all your sins? And sometimes we've got a whole list that people need to do first before they can go down in here. But he understood Jesus. He understood the good news and he said, I need to be baptized. Miraculously, God provides water. He gets baptized. He went on his way rejoicing. What about you? I don't know how you came here today. Maybe you were also searching for something today. Searching for an experience. Searching for some reality. Searching for an answer to some of your problems, some of the challenges that you have. Now you've got a choice. You can leave that door unchanged. Or you can allow the Lord into your situation. If you've understood the message today, the Lord wants to be your all.
So much so he wants to fill you with such understanding about himself that you, as you go through the door, that you, you, you know you have to go and share with someone else. You have to go and you might say, well, the excuses will come so quickly. Don't listen to the excuses. Just open your mouth and say, but what if they reject my message? It's not your problem. Okay? The Lord is looking for vehicles to pour his word through, to pour Jesus through. And then you become a beacon in your community, at your workplace, in your home, in your wider family, at your school. God wants you to be that beacon. Make a commitment today to become a student of his word. If you're really serious about learning how to study his word. Tonight, I'm going to have uh, a session uh, which John has organized. I'm going to give you some insight how you can study the Bible to find its treasures. In the back, there are some books available uh, which, which, you can, uh, which you can buy. It's a self-study on how to study the Bible to find its treasures. The more you understand, the more you're required to live according to God's word. The more you understand, the more opportunity the Lord will give you to share what he has entrusted to you. Let's pray together. Father, you have entrusted so much to us. It is beyond our capacity to understand what you have entrusted to us. And yet, you want to be our teacher. You want to show us and reveal to us your truth as we diligently study your words on our own or with the help of others. Lord, I pray that you give us all a motivation to become students of your word so that we will have Something to share with those who have nothing. I pray, Lord, for this church, for this community, that it will not just be a beacon in name, but that the radiance of the glory of Christ will shine forth through each member of this community, that each one of them will become a beacon for truth, a beacon of light. Dispelling the darkness and attracting the hungry and the needy, those who've got nothing. They know this is a place where I can find truth. That we will grasp those opportunities to share the good news like Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch Lord, so that other people can go forth rejoicing. Go on their way. Not on their way, but on your way. Thank you, Father, for all that are here today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing each one of us together here. Lord, and may we make a commitment now to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers also. Let's just take a minute and respond to the Lord quietly or 
If you want to pray out, let's take this moment. Father God, I pray that you seal the promises we've made this morning in our hearts. That you help us, that you remind us, that you give us the motivation we need. To hold to our side of this promise. And to seek you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.